Well, here we are on Wednesday, May the 6th. We're still not able to meet together in our uh, church building, and I trust uh, you're uh, surviving as we continue to uh, wait on the Lord, uh, wait uh, to see what He has for us. And of course, we're waiting for uh, those who are in authority and making the restrictions and so forth, and we're praying that they lift those restrictions so we can be back together once again. And uh, I appreciate uh, being able to uh, share with you just a little bit of the uh, uh, music that my daughter uh, has been recording each day through this uh, uh, crisis time, uh, good, faithful hymns. Uh, and uh, she has put them all on uh, YouTube at Jen Markgraf, and uh, you can subscribe to that, and you can put it on, and you can play more than an hour's worth of just good old gospel hymns, uh, faithful hymns that we've been using so many years. And I appreciate that ministry that she's had, and uh, would encourage you to uh, take advantage of that as well. Uh, but continue to pray for one another. Continue to pray uh, for those that may be uh, struggling uh, with uh, various things during this time, not being able to be out, uh, maybe not being able to go to the doctor and, and uh, take care of some, some needs that they have. Uh, we have a number of folks like that. But uh, uh, this Friday, I'll be uh, conducting a funeral service for uh, someone who's not been in our church very often, but uh, uh, he's... Uh, uh, passed away last week, Jerry Sankowski, and uh, he has lived with uh, Irvin and Tanya Hanselsberger uh, for a number of, uh, a couple of years here now, and uh, off and on in Shell Lake Care Center, but his funeral will be Friday. I appreciate your prayers uh, uh, for that. Uh, it'll be at the uh, Skinner Funeral Home, and I guess it'll be just a, a small gathering again, again, limited by the restrictions that we're under, but uh, uh, then he'll be uh, uh, interned over at the uh, Veterans Cemetery as well after that service. And so pray for uh, one another. <clears throat> pray for uh, God to work in our hearts and lives through his word. And tonight <clears throat> we want to continue with a, uh, our lesson from 1 Peter. And we've talked about the hope for the hurting uh, in verses 1 and 2, and then we talked about hope that exceeds our doubts in verses uh, 3 through 8, and uh, today we want to look at uh, the hope of the gospel and look at verses 9 through 12. And as we continue our study in regard to the benefits of salvation, uh, the passage before us is actually a continuation of the previous verses. In fact, verses 3 through 12 deal with the central theme, the lively hope that we have through salvation in Christ our Lord. It's impossible to fully grasp all that we receive in Christ through salvation, but I hope our study will provide comfort and assurance for those who belong to Christ. And I'm convinced the Lord desires each believer to be settled in their faith while growing in their faith and living abundantly for Him. Now, some may consider these mess messages elementary, very basic. 
but they are focused on the great theme of the Bible. And that theme is salvation. Uh, it is contained in the history books. It is chorused in the poetic books. It is contemplated in the prophetic books. It is crystallized in the Gospels. It is confessed in the book of Acts. It is clarified in the epistles and consummated in the book of Revelation. Uh, the message of the Gospel resulting in salvation remains the greatest message ever told. Uh, it provides forgiveness of sin, reconciliation to God, and eternal life. Simply stated, there is no other message that bears the weight of the gospel. It's a message of life and hope and assurance and faith. Now, while life brings many circumstances that are unpleasant and difficult to bear, the gospel offers abundant hope in the midst of a troubled world. Now, speaking of salvation messages, I'm reminded <clears throat> of the traveling evangelist who told of a time early in his ministry when he arrived in a small town to preach at a meeting. He had arrived a little bit early, and he wanted to finish writing a letter for back home. And as he finished the letter, he asked a young boy standing on the sidewalk of the, uh, where the, lo uh, the location of the post office well, the boy had given him directions. The evangelist thanked him and said, you know, if you'll come to the Baptist church this evening, you can hear me tell everyone how to get to heaven. The little boy said, I don't think I'll be there. Uh, you don't even know your way to the post office. How are you going to tell me how to get to heaven? And then there was the newly called preacher who preached on his first Sunday, you must be born again. The next Sunday he preached it again. You must be born again. Well, the, the deacons thought maybe since he had just moved to town, he didn't have time to prepare a new message. But then the next Sunday he preached, you must be born again. And at this point, the deacons came to him and asked him, why are you keeping preaching uh, this message? You must be born again. Well, the young preacher answered, it's because you must be born again. I also had a, a man in who attended the first church I pastored some years ago, who asked me why I preached so many messages on salvation. Apparently he wanted some deeper, more theological, doctrinal messages. Well, I told him I never know if all the people in the church are all genuinely saved. Because sometimes we find that even church members need to be saved. So we want to take a few moments today to examine the certainties revealed in our text as we consider the hope of the gospel. Notice, first of all, the measure of salvation. <clears throat> the measure of salvation. Verse 9 of First Peter chapter 1 says, Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Now here Peter makes a profound statement which holds eternal truth. As we consider the salvation revealed in the gospel, we discover, first of all, the approach. It says, receiving the end of your faith. Peter here is speaking of the end of their faith. He's reminding all who hear these words of the importance of faith in salvation. It is impossible to receive salvation apart from faith. One must embrace the finished work of Christ on the cross for the remission of sin by faith in order to be saved. 
It isn't obtained through good works, works of the flesh, or endurance in adversity. It isn't received through inheritance or purchased with money. Salvation is by faith in Christ alone. It seems as if I've been led to preach messages that deal with this fundamental truth a lot lately, but it cannot be overemphasized. If you are depending on anything other than faith in the finished work of Christ to secure your salvation, you're depending on a false gospel. We must all come to the place where we realize our need of salvation and our inability to obtain that through any measure of human effort. We must confess our sin and need, and need for a Savior while embracing the redemption Christ secured for us by faith. There's no other way of salvation and eternal life. So we see the approach. Secondly, we see the abundance. Verse 9 says again, <clears throat> excuse me, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Peter also deals with the abundance received through faith in Christ. That is the salvation of our souls. Faith in Christ is not of little value or consequence. Those who fully embrace the work of Christ, believing solely upon him by faith for redemption, receive the greatest gift ever given, the salvation of the soul. Again, it cannot be overemphasized. It cannot be overexpressed. If you possess nothing in this life but salvation in Christ, you've received abundance beyond measure. Most of what we obtain and possess in this life will wear out, will decay, or will be left to someone else to enjoy when we die. But salvation is eternal. It secures life beyond the grave and will guarantee an entrance to heaven. Now we find this abundance stands at the end of faith. Now that doesn't mean that faith ceases when salvation is obtained. It speaks of our salvation being the culmination, the grand result of our faith. While we live here on earth in Christ, faith remains, and we continually enjoy its benefit. And I rejoice that faith doesn't end in death. Salvation provides eternal life in Christ. Notice thirdly, the assurance uh, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. And we must notice an important word in this profound statement. Peter speaks of receiving the end of our faith. Uh, this has the idea of receiving that which was promised. We certainly didn't work to earn our salvation, and it was clearly undeserved. But we find assurance in its reception. Salvation was secured by Christ the Lord and promised to all who receive him by faith. He is the source and the security of our salvation. We have received it of him and promised by him that it will endure. My efforts didn't earn it, and my efforts won't keep it. I believe by faith in the work of Christ for salvation, and I continue by faith to rest in his finished work. It's forever settled in heaven. I am secure, eternally secure in Christ my Lord. 
So we see the measure of salvation. Notice, secondly, as we go on in this first chapter of 1 Peter, verse 10 and 11, the mystery of salvation. The mystery of salvation. In these next two verses, Peter addresses the great mystery regarding salvation, particularly among Old Testament saints. Notice first the, the, the inquiry. In verse 10 it says, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. He reminds the believers of his day of a diligent search and inquiry of the prophets of old made regarding salvation. These men of old were divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit to write prophecies concerning the coming of Christ and the salvation he would bring. Now keep in mind, these were mere mortals, but they were recording the word of God. And I'm certain they pondered the depth of the meaning in regard to the particular messages or passages they were inspired to write. They were probably intrigued by it. And even though they perhaps didn't fully comprehend their own writings, they longed to grasp the eternal truths they held. And that serves as a great challenge for us today. Like the prophets of old, there are certain doctrines and aspects of salvation that perhaps we will never fully comprehend on this side of heaven. Much of it must simply be received by faith and live through assurance in Christ. And yet we too shall be, should be students of the word. We should make it a practice to search the scriptures daily, seeking to gain a deeper understanding of our faith and the salvation we've received. You'll never reach the depths of God's unsearchable riches and grace. So drink from the deep wells of the word and find nourishment for your soul. So we not only see the inquiry, but we see the urgency. Verse 10, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Now, they may not have fully grasped the truths of Christ's coming, his death, his burial, and resurrection, but I believe they sensed the great urgency and importance of the message. They understood this was God's plan for redemption, even though they were unsure how it all eventually transpired. But they were faithful to record the word given of God and proclaim his word to all who would listen. They sought to prepare coming generations for the appearance and the redemptive work of Christ. And this brought a sense of conviction and urgency uh, to uh, their hearts. And even uh, brought that to my heart as I think about these words. The prophets of old never lived to see Christ in their day. They believe by faith in the work yet to come and sense the need to share the good news. And we live on the other side of Calvary and the glorious resurrection. We have the complete revelation of God to mankind. Maybe we can't understand every detail of the end times, but we know Christ will be triumphant. We have the recorded truths of the gospel. We have received the commission to preach it to the world to make disciples for Jesus. And this world needs the lively hope we have in Christ. And I trust that God will deal with each one of our hearts 
individually and also corporately in regard to the great urgency of sharing the gospel. But then notice, thirdly, the, the certainty. In verse 11, it says, Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. You know, they had no way of knowing when the fullness of time would come. They had insight to Christ's coming, but they could not pinpoint the exact moment. And yet there was never any doubt that he would come. In fact, I believe the prophets lived in light of the Lord's coming. They sought to prepare themselves should his coming happen in their day. Again, here is a parallel for us today. Uh, it's very different, and yet there are very, uh, quite a few similarities. We now live in the day of grace. We're in the dispensation of the church age, the time between his glorious ascension to the Father and his second coming. And we have no way of knowing when that moment will be. But be assured, Jesus is coming again. He will return, perhaps, this very day. Wouldn't that be great? You see, this, is, this could be at any time. Now, the truth is, we just don't know. You know, a lot of people think they know things that are going to happen. But we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen later on in this 24-hour period. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. God does. So we need to be faithful to share the gospel. If Jesus would to return today, maybe some would be left behind and eternally separated from the grace and mercy of God. So we see here the certainty of it. But then we see the glory in verse 11. The glory. Again, verse 11 says, Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Now, they didn't have every piece of the puzzle figured out. But they understood the coming sufferings of Christ for sin of humanity and the glory that would follow. They knew God's eternal plan for redemption of humanity, and they knew it would be fulfilled, bringing glory and honor to God through Christ. We have the benefit of the biblical record. We have God's word. Jesus did come as the word prophesied. He did suffer in our place, bearing our sin and the righteous judgment of God. He was buried in the tomb. He rose triumphant in glorious resurrection. He ascended back to the Father where he intercedes for us today. And he will come again in great power and glory. And he's going to establish his kingdom on this earth and finally judge Satan, casting him into the lake of fire for all eternity. Ours is not a lost cause or just a hope-so situation. We serve the King of glory, and He will return triumphantly as the Lion of Judah. That we can say with full assurance. Why? We have God's Word on it. So we see the measure of salvation, the mystery of salvation, and thirdly, the manifestation of salvation. In verse 12, it says, 
there that uh, uh, we'll, we'll be considering here the great manifestation of salvation. And notice, first of all, the truth proclaimed, verse 12, unto whom it was revealed that not unto self and unto themselves, but unto us. They did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. The prophets proclaimed a message that wasn't fulfilled in their day. Although their salvation rested in the finished work of Christ, just as ours does, they did not live to see the work fulfilled. The truths they shared, along with the message of the gospel, the message of the apostles revealed uh, and confirmed the truths of the gospel. The consistent theme of the Bible, that is, salvation, was being shared with Peter's generation. God had been faithful to his promise, providing for the salvation of mankind. They had the opportunity to respond by faith and receive this gracious gift. Isn't the grace of God and the gospel amazing? We were loved while we were unlovable. Knowing we could never earn or secure our own salvation, God made a way through salvation of his son. Sin results in death. Everyone is born in sin, and all will die. We had no hope of life beyond the grave prior to Christ. But his resurrection was the first fruit of many to come. And the message is older than time itself, and yet its truth continues to change lives and redeems lost souls. So that's the truth proclaimed. But then notice, lastly, the tre treasure perceived. Verse 12 says, which things the angels desire to look un into. We end here with an interesting thought. The gospel message and salvation are, are so wonderful and so amazing that angels themselves desire to look into these great truths. We find their involvement, their interaction with humanity throughout Scripture, but salvation is beyond their ability to fully comprehend. You see, Christ didn't die for the angels. He died for fallen humanity. Can you imagine the intense interest and watchful eye of the angels as Christ laid aside the glories of heaven, robed his deity in the body of flesh, and came to earth in the form of a man? They must have rejoiced during the ministry of Jesus as he revealed himself as the Christ, and they watched in agony as he bled and died on the cross, ready to come to his aid at the moment's notice had he called them. They witnessed the triumphant resurrection. They welcomed Jesus back to heaven following the ascension. The angels are intrigued by God's dealings with humanity and the great lengths he went to in order to secure our salvation. Aware of their dwelling in the presence of God, one might rightly discern the wisdom angels possess. They continually experience the presence, the power, and the glory of God. Of all they know and experience, yet the angels desire to look into this glorious salvation. Should that not compel us to do the same? If you're saved, you ought to search the scriptures in an effort to please the Lord and increase your understanding of the grace that you have received. If you're unsaved, 
having not responded to the gospel of faith, you ought to do as the angels and look into the salvation from the Lord. He's already provided the means of salvation, and it's available if you will receive him by faith. Well, I don't know for, about you, but this has been an interesting study thus far for me. My faith has been strengthened. I've been challenged even to share the gospel with a world that needs salvation. How has the Lord spoken to you today? What has he revealed in your life? If, he's a spoke, if he has spoken, uh, you're aware of that. And I would encourage you to respond to his voice without delay. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your wonderful hope that you've given to us in salvation. Thank you that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross. We put our faith and our trust in him we have eternal salvation. Thank you for that. And we pray that even during days when are very uncertain here in this life, that we'll just trust you for what you have for us. And we will thank you and praise you. We pray for those who are struggling physically. We pray for those who are struggling spiritually. May God's word be that which encourages them and helps them. Lord, just bless in the days ahead as we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.